Good morning, everyone. So today we'll be doing a meditation retreat, practicing uh, what we call Satipatthana Vipassana. Before we start, I'd just like to say a couple of things. The first is that I'd like to, I guess, uh, forewarn you or, or, or explain that anyway that I'm going to be teaching something very traditional. And so uh, it may not always be perfect because I'm going to try my best to make it approachable to all of you, uh, but at the same time stay true to the tradition. So if anything seems a little bit foreign, be aware that this is a very, very old tradition and I'm trying to bridge the gap, bring you back 2,500 years ago to when these teachings were taught in a foreign country, in a foreign culture. So don't please don't be immediately turned off if it seems strange. You can always ask and I'll try to explain. The other thing is um, I wanted to say that I'm not being paid to be here. Um, I'm I'm not I don't use money and I'm not I I don't accept payment from my teachings so I want to make it clear that I'm here because I sincerely believe that this is a good thing and that teaching and sharing the teaching is something that the Buddha himself did and it's a tradition that I continue and so in return I'd ask that you have the same sort of sincerity and you come here as students, not as clients, obviously. Sorry, I don't mean to accuse anyone of, of that sort of mindset, but just to be clear that we're, we're all on the same page. Um, when in the ancient tradition, in order to be accepted as a student, you would have to officially um, give yourself over to the Buddha and to, to the teacher meaning completely um, put yourself in their their protection, their care, and, and basically give yourself over to them. We're not going to do that. I, I don't require that from you, obviously, especially in such a short course. But um, I, I just ask that there be a sort of a sincerity in that you're here to learn and you're willing to give up uh, your other practices and other ideas and, and come to this with an open mind. Okay? Nothing, nothing heavy, I hope. Just uh, sort of set the tone. So what we practice is called Satipatthana Vipassana. And in the interests of tradition, I'd like everyone to memorize that with me. And memorize it's a very, very long-standing and, and sort of uh, strict tradition for us to memorize just the basics of the practice. It's considered easier, better than than uh, relying on understanding, right? Because if I explain something and you try to grapple with it and come to your own understanding, 
In the beginning, it, you might misunderstand. I might not explain clearly. So memorizing means that for sure you got the very basic principles down. So if you could uh, just repeat after me. Satipatthana Vipassana Kaya Vedana Chitta Dhamma One more again. Satipatthana Vipassana Kaya Vedana Chitta Dhamma Satipatthana Vipassana Kaya Vedana Chitta Dhamma Try it together Satipatthana Vipassana Kaya Vedana Chitta Dhamma Okay so I don't expect you to have it perfectly memorized, but now it, you've got a sense of uh, the basics of the practice. And it should help once I explain it. be easier once I explain it. Satipatthana is the basis of our practice. Sati means uh, remembrance. It's often translated as mindfulness, which is not quite a literal translation, but you get the idea with that word. And patana means the establishment. So the satipatana are the four things that I had you memorize at the end. Kaya, Vedana, Jitta, Dhamma. And why we memorize them is because they form uh, the framework of the objects of meditation. Everything that we observe and focus on is within those four things. Those are called the four satipatthana, the four establishing or establishments of sati, of mindfulness. Vipassana means to see clearly. Vi means clearly, pasana just means seeing. So what we're going to do is practice satipatthana, practice mindfulness. We focus on these four things which I'll explain. And when you do that, you'll start to see more clearly just about simple things, about your mind, your, your emotions, your physical, physical experiences and, and sensations. And specifically what you'll come to see is three things. And these sort of make up the, the basis of vipassana. The first thing you'll see is that inside of yourself and in the whole world around you, Everything is impermanent. That anything you you hold on to as stable or or everlasting is subject to change, is subject to cessation and, and disappearance. So living a life of trying to hold on to things, trying to find stability and say, my happiness will be dependent on this set of circumstances is going to be a cause for suffering because those circumstances are unpredictable. So as you practice, you're going to gain a sense of the unpredictable nature of the world and hopefully start to change your, your perspective 
from one of trying to hold on to things as a means of security to being flexible as a means of security. So as things change, you're strong enough and independent enough to deal with whatever comes. The second thing that you come to see is that inside of yourself and in the whole world around you, there's nothing satisfying, that everything is what we call dukkha, which literally means suffering. But it doesn't mean that you're always going to suffer or that everything around you is going to cause you suffering. What it means is, like a fire, anything you grasp at and hold on to, because of its impermanent nature, that's the problem with impermanence, it's going to cause you suffering. So just like all fire is hot, um, all experiences, are a cause for suffering if you cling to them. And that's the teaching of the Buddha in the Four Noble Truths, that our happiness can't come from our experiences. It certainly can't come from conceptual objects, people, places, things, because they're insubstantial and unpredictable and uncontrollable. So the third thing that you'll see is that inside of yourself and in the whole world around you, Nothing is under your control. Nothing belongs to you. And the perspective of seeing things as me and mine is fraught with danger and, and eventual suffering as we can't control the people, the places, the things around us. We can't even control our own selves, our own body. We can't stop ourselves from getting old, sick. We can't stop ourselves from dying. The world is out of our control. And so having a perspective of trying to control things, having a perspective of finding stability, having a perspective of trying to find satisfaction in things, having a perspective of trying to control things is, is the cause of suffering. And that will start to change. Now this isn't dogma. If you are skeptical of what I'm saying or if it doesn't sit right with you, that's fine. We don't expect belief by any means. What I'm doing is giving you a preview of what you're going to see. You can't help it. It would be nice if there were things out there that were stable, satisfying, and controllable. I'm, I'm not um, trying to suggest otherwise. But the problem is there is nothing, and it is a problem. So our only way, to, or the true way to find happiness, and there is a true way to, we can be happy and we should be happy, is to change our perspective. Stop trying to fix and control things, but rather try to adapt and experience, right? Nothing changes. In fact, it becomes more real. I'm sitting here, you're all sitting here, this is what's real. And what I mean, what all of this means is coming to be here, to be present. Because that requires flexibility. It means not holding on to what happened earlier or what is going to happen in the future. Not holding on to your conceptions, like if something I said doesn't fit with your own belief, not holding on to that. I mean, of course, not accepting blindly what I say, but being able to accept the evidence of your own experience. That's all I ask. So I can guarantee from my perspective, whether you believe or not, you're going to see all three of those things. 
but I don't expect you to believe it. I only expect you to look with an open mind. So that is what we mean by vipassana. That means to see clearly. Whatever you see, that is uh, the goal. Whatever is there. To do that, we practice satipatthana. As I said, kaya, vedana, jitta, dhamma, these are the four satipatthana. Kaya means the body. So the beginning of our practice, for those of you who were here yesterday, know that um, we begin generally by focusing on the stomach. Today I'm going to show you how to do walking meditation. You'll focus on the feet. Whether it's the feet or the stomach, this is kaya, this is the body. Kaya just means body. So our first object of meditation is going to be focusing on the body. And I'll show you how to do that. That's um, something I'll explain in detail. The second one, Vedana. Vedana refers to our sensations. But specifically, we don't really have a good word for it in English. Feelings is how I usually translate it, but that word mean, means different things in English. So I'll explain exactly what it means. It means pain, pleasure, and calm. These are the three Vedana, basically. Pain means anything physical or mental that is unpleasant. So if you're sad, there's a feeling of mental pain. If you have a headache, that's physical pain. But either way, it's, it's unpleasant. If you feel happy, maybe there's physical pleasure, rapture sometimes, uh, or mental pleasure. Maybe you're happy practicing, you're, you're happy being here, that sort of thing. You're happy thinking about something, or maybe you're happy thinking about something you'd rather be doing, daydreaming or imagining. Uh, and the third, neutral feeling. So maybe you feel calm, or maybe you just feel neutral. These are the three kinds of Vedana. And they're an object of meditation as well. The third one, so we have body, feelings. The third is mind, citta, the mind. I'm actually, I have a, a, a paper that I'll give you, so don't worry. If you can't remember all this, that's expected. The mind is simple. We're just going to note thinking. So many things in the mind. You can be focused, unfocused, and all thinking about the past, future, good thoughts, bad thoughts. We keep it simple, and in the end, understand that it's all just thoughts. And when you're thinking, you'll, you'll just focus on the thought, and that will be your object of meditation. Dhamma is a little more complicated. I'm not going to go into it, but basically it means the teachings as a means of guiding you through this process. So the first guidance is about emotions, but specifically those emotions that are problematic, um, that are what we call hindrances. They get in the way of seeing clearly. They get in the way of being happy. They get in the way for sure of being at peace with yourself. So I'd like you to memorize these as well. Okay, or just repeat them with me. Memorizing will come later, but these are, these five are important because they're the kind of things that get in the way of your practice. So repeat after me: liking, disliking, drowsiness, distraction, doubt, liking, 
disliking, drowsiness, distraction, doubt. Now you say it. Okay. Again, they're on the paper, so don't worry, you'll, you'll, you'll get a chance to refresh. Um, but these are the beginning of, of the Dhamma section, the fourth section. We have body, feelings, mind. Dhamma is, is this one. So, um, like the rest of them, these hindrances are going to be an object of our meditation. They're important, so that's why we emphasize them. But like any other experience, we're going to approach them with mindfulness, trying to see them objectively, without judging them or reacting to them, uh, but just seeing them as they are. The way we do this, all of this, is if you were here yesterday, you heard me say with a mantra or a word. It's not a mantra in the sense that you're just repeating it mindlessly in your head, but it's a mantra in the sense that it has power. The use of a word is quite powerful in terms of focusing your attention. But in this case, we want to focus our attention on our experiences, whatever they may be. And so these four sort of frameworks, the body, feelings, mind, dhamma, should help you to do that, to orient yourself around what's happening. If you feel something physical, like maybe uh, tension in the back, you can note tense, tense, and so on. And that's your, your, your practice. You just find a word for it. When we do the sitting, we're going to say rising, falling. When we do the walking, we're going to say stepping right, stepping left, just to keep our mind focused on the experience. For feelings, when you feel pain, you'll say to yourself, pain, pain. When you feel happy, say happy, happy. When you're calm, say calm, calm. Just focus your attention and take that as the object of your meditation. Chitta with thinking, so you just say to yourself, thinking, thinking, with, for the mind, right? Whether it's past thoughts, future thoughts, good thoughts, bad thoughts, just say to yourself, thinking, thinking. And with the five, liking, disliking, drowsiness, distraction, doubt, I give you those easy words because that's actually going to be your mantra. You'll say to yourself, liking, liking, just focus on the liking. If you dislike, say disliking, disliking. If you're drowsy or tired, say drowsy or tired. If you're distracted or restless or worried or anxious, say distracted, distracted, or so on. Doubt or confusion, say doubting, doubting, or confused, confused. And uh, just try to stay with the object as long as it lasts, and when it's gone, come back to your main, come back to the body and continue on with the stomach or, or the foot moving. As you do this, the idea behind the mantra and the focusing is that, again, you'll start to see clearly about what's going on. What is the nature of these things? What is the nature of reality? And you'll start to become more flexible and less clingy to past and future and good and bad and, and less in turmoil and much more centered. Good things will come from it. That's... Uh, really what I hope for you today. Okay, so I'm going to uh, next demonstrate how to do walking meditation and go over again how to do sitting meditation and we'll spend the rest of the morning uh, practicing. Does anyone have any questions? Yes.
You only let go of something when you see that it's a cause for suffering. So personally, you'll never you'll never feel um, regret. Oh, I wish I hadn't let go of that. <laughs> it's not possible. It wouldn't be letting go if you ever felt regret. You wouldn't have actually let it go. That being said, sometimes other people don't understand. It is certainly possible, and, and quite likely if you go far in this practice, that people whose understanding is that clinging is good, attachment is good, will be disturbed by it. From our perspective, that's a good thing. People should be shaken up. The world is unpredictable. How much mourning we go through when we lose something or someone we love. Uh, and it's completely avoidable. You know, It doesn't mean that we stop loving, absolutely. It means we learn the difference between love and attachment. And we learn to be kind and, and caring without actually caring, without actually being disturbed, right? right? You can be caring in one sense without caring in another sense, in the sense that you are at peace and you are present. So when someone you love falls into uh, suffering, you're, you're present with them, you're there for them completely without being devastated yourself and crippled and unable to support them, for example. And when you lose someone you love, when they pass away, that you're also not crippled. You're able to go on because absolutely they wouldn't want you to be suffering. So that there's no benefit, no goodness in, in that sort of thing. Now absolutely I'm not expecting that after a day of practice you're suddenly all going to become saints living on a mountain or something. But you'll only let go of what you, what you can see is causing you stress and suffering. The doubt, the confusion you have, that's an example of something that's causing you stress and suffering. So that sort of thing is where you should start because it's not helping you to feel that. And, and once you clear it up, you'll be more confident and more sure about what's right and, and, and um, you know, in a sense, less pulled into Buddhism dogmatically, right? So you'll be less concerned about um, it changing you, but you'll maybe be less uh, dogmatic. Because some people they practice and then they go home and they say, "Don't call me, don't call me, honey. I'm ju I'm just a body and mind experiences," and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> you say, "Yes, honey, I, I'm home." <laughs> some people get dogmatic about, it and they, they go too far, and you'll stop that because you're confident in yourself. I'm doing this because it's good for me, and that's all. I'm not doing it to become a nun or a monk or something. Though no, you're always welcome. Okay, anything else? Concerns? Anyway, this afternoon you'll have a chance to talk to me. We're going to try to have one-on-one. -on -one. But uh, for now, let's go over the basics and just get started meditating. Okay? All right, everyone, please stand up. All right, so we're going to start with walking meditation. Walking meditation, the benefit of it is that when you're meditating all day, if you were 
if you were to just sit around, or if you're just to do sitting, it's not very healthy for the body and it's not very healthy for the mind because that's not what we're accustomed to. We're accustomed to moving. Sorry, this is unfamiliar. We're accustomed to moving. We're accustomed to uh, walking and sitting. And so, yeah, we're going to try to make, it's a part of making it more natural, but it's also very good for the body and very good for your sitting meditation. You'll find sometimes if you just immediately go to do sitting meditation, your mind is too distracted. For many newcomers, it's quite, there's a sense of dread for having, oh, now I have to sit still for so long. You'll find that walking first helps you with that. You're much better prepared for the sitting. So they go well together, walking first and then sitting. So that's how we're going to do it. So I need a place where you can see me. Let's try here. Okay. So you, you don't need a long space. We'll try to f- have everyone find a space wherever you can. Not yet, not yet, no, not yet. Just, just watch me first. But uh, eventually you'll find a space. And it only has to be about 10 feet, 15 feet if you've got it. Don't go longer than that. You'll, you'll end up getting in each other's way. But find a spot about 10 to 15 feet. And then start at one end with your feet close together. One hand holding the other hand, either in back or in front. And the way you hold your hands together, put your thumb with your fingers. Let's everyone practice this. And then just grab the part under your pinky finger on the other hand. Just like that. It's a simple way. right? Either in front or in behind, it's the same. Okay? Your eyes are open and you're looking at the floor in front of you out about uh, six feet. So don't look down at your feet, but also don't look ahead or obviously out at the world around you. But your, your, uh, your mind isn't with your eyes, your mind should be with your foot, the right foot to start. So just keep your eyes open and look at the floor in front of you and then put your mind with your right foot and move it one foot length. So you see the heel should now be in line with the toes, right? just side by side, not a wide step, not in front of the other foot, but not long and not short. One foot length, like so. Okay. As you move your foot, you'll say to yourself, stepping right, and then you'll stop. So... Um, an important point about this is it's not walking, it's meditation. So walking is just a, uh, a description. The practice we're doing, is important to remember because as soon as we get into walking mode, we're thinking about the destination, we're thinking about the movement, the act, and none of that is what we're actually meant to be focusing. We're meant focusing on. We're meant to be focusing on the movement. And that's the movement there, one foot Starting, stopping. And that was a meditation. I say to, say to myself, stepping right, and the meditation is done. Then we start a new meditation. Right? Again, this flexibility of being uh, with what's ever happening now and letting go of what just happened. Stepping left, and then we stop again. So you, you'll find if you get into the mindset of walking that you'll just start walking like this. 
or you'll be you'll, you'll be moving this foot and then immediately starting with the other one and and that's not the ideal way to practice the way we're trying to practice is move stop move Okay, so you can be fully aware of the beginning and the end of the experience. The the words, the mantra, has to be as you move the foot. So you can't say stepping right and then move, or else you're in the future. Or move first and then say stepping right, you're in the past. As soon as you start to move the foot, you start saying step. Bing should be somewhere in the middle, and right when you put the foot down. Step. Being left, and so on. Okay? So, if I can have you all try that now. Find a spot. Everyone maybe move to the back for now. We'll probably have to move these cushions around. But get in a line at the back of the room if you can. Everybody go to the back, just for now. Eventually you come up here. But uh, and, and get it's okay to get really close, that's fine, or make two rows, that's fine. You don't need a lot of space. Just everyone back there so I can watch you first. Just come, come, come in, come in, come in. Come in here, face me. Two rows, make two rows, let's do it that way. This is just practice, this isn't actual meditation. Okay, good. All right, so let's try it first. We're just going to take one step. And everybody say it out loud. Now, none of this is going to be out loud. Don't get that. Don't misunderstand there. But um, just so we, we're all on the same page, let's say it out loud uh, together. Stepping right. Okay. And you, if you feel like you're ready to make the, and you're anticipating to make the next foot, you have to try and check that. Because that's thinking about the future. That's this anticipation. Your whole intention should have only been on the right foot. Don't get caught up in thinking about the left foot yet. That's moving ahead. That's being in the future. So that's our meditation. That's it. Okay? Start a new one. Now let's look at the left foot. Put your mind with the left foot. Stepping left. Good. Okay, right foot. Stepping right. Okay. Try again. Now the left foot. Stepping left. Good. Very good. You're all very good at this. Okay. Before we go any further, we don't have a lot of space there, so that's enough. Um, If you find a place where you can see me, I'm going to show you the next part, which is how to turn around. So you'll do that from one end of your path to the other when you get to the end. You're going to have to turn around and walk back. The way to do that is bring the back foot up. You'll end up like this, of course, one foot ahead. The foot that's behind, bring it up to stand with the foot in front. And as you do that, say to yourself, stopping, stopping, just until you've stopped. And don't, don't mimic me yet because I'm going, you're going to have to watch me do it first. Okay, then your feet are together. Say to yourself, standing, standing, standing. And then turn around. To turn, lift your right foot off the floor, turn it 90 degrees and put it back down. And as you do that, say to yourself, turning. 
Then do the same with the left foot, turning. And repeat one more time, turning, turning. And then you're facing the other direction. Before you start walking again, say to yourself, standing, standing, standing. And then stepping right, stepping left, and so on. Okay? So one more time. You'll end up here. One more time, watch me, and then the next time we'll do it together. Stopping, stopping, standing, standing, standing. Just being aware that you're standing. Turning, 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 turning. Standing, standing, standing. Stepping right. Stepping left, and so on. Okay? Now you try it. Put one foot ahead, whichever foot was ahead. That's where you, how you're going to end up, and then we're going to do the turning. So bring the feet together. Let's all say it out loud. Stopping, stopping. Standing, standing, standing. Turning, turning. Turning, turning, standing, 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 stepping right. Okay, after you finish stepping right, both your feet should be on the floor, flat, flat on the floor. Make sure there's that, just that separation because that allows you to be fully with the experience, right? Your mind can't be in both feet at once. So keep your mind first with the right foot, shift your mind to the left foot, and then start moving it. So let's left foot. Stepping left. Stepping right. Okay, then turn around again. Stopping, stopping. Standing, standing, standing. Turning. Turning. Turning, turning, standing, 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 stepping right, stepping left. Okay, so there's a little bit to remember there, but that's the nature of something that's based on movement. The sitting meditation is simpler, so come back to your seats now and I'll show you the sitting and then we'll put it together and actually practice. Okay. So for walking, you'll just walk back and forth for say 10, 15 minutes, whichever is com- whatever is comfortable. For some of you that might be more, that's fine. One thing to note is I'm not going to time your meditation for you and I'm not going to expect you all to practice the same amount of time. What I'd like you to do is sort of have a general sense of your own level of, of practice and comfort and time yourself accordingly. You should try to practice equal amounts walking and sitting. So if you're going to sit for 20 minutes, you should walk first for 20 minutes and so on. Uh, But you'll try and keep time yourself by either looking at the clock or if you have a timer or a watch or so on. Okay? Sitting meditation, you're going to sit on the floor sitting in a chair you can sit as you like but on the floor try and sit with one leg in front of the other we recommend just 
touching the heel of the front leg to the back leg, so don't put the heel underneath. Just have the heel touching the shin. If you want to do half lotus, you can put up there. Full lotus, you put both feet up, that's fine. You find that full lotus, for most people, it's uncomfortable after a while, so don't be stubborn. Try and uh, find some, some reasonably comfortable position. Put your hands on your lap, one hand on top of the other, facing up. Keep your back straight. It doesn't have to be perfectly straight, but what it means is don't slouch with your head down. Try and if it, that happens, just bring your head back up. Eyes straight ahead with your eyes closed. And put your attention on your stomach, your abdomen. When you breathe in, the abdomen rises. When you breathe out, the abdomen falls. When it rises, we're just going to say to ourselves, rising. And when it falls, falling. Rising. Falling. If you can't feel the movement of the stomach, you can put your hand on your stomach. In the beginning, that can help to make you familiar with the movement. We're not trying to control the movement, we're just trying to be aware of it. big part of mindfulness is not to try and control or change, but to gain a perspective of just observing. If you find yourself controlling, that should be an object that you observe as well, that you're controlling. You can say to yourself, controlling or stressed or so on. And so... Watching the foot move or watching the stomach, this is mindfulness of the body, gaya, the first satipatthana. The other three, vedana, jitta, dhamma, we should pay attention when they arise. They're not always going to be there, but when you do feel pain, switch your attention to the pain, say pain, pain, and just stay with it until it goes away. Once it's gone, come back to the stomach, rising, falling. If it's thought, say thinking, thinking. If any of the hindrances arise, liking, disliking, drowsiness, distraction, doubt, focus on them, say liking, liking, or wanting, wanting, disliking, uh, sad, bored, frustrated, whatever that might be. 
tired, drowsy, restless, distracted, worried, anxious, doubt, confused. Note whatever the experience is, and once it's gone, come back again to the stomach and continue rising, falling. The idea here is that we're training ourselves with the stomach, and then we're training ourselves with the things that interrupt us. As we focus on the stomach, we'll be very present. And that presence allows us to see how the mind works. When all the emotions, conflicting good and bad emotions, come and uh, disturb us. And so we learn to sort them out. We learn to differentiate what is good for us, what is stressful and harmful to us, what is useful, what is useless. And you don't have to rely on me to tell you that. You'll know for yourself what is good for you and what is harmful. Okay? So I'm going to hand out this sheet so you can remind yourself of the basics of the practice. But before I do that, and then I'll send you, of course, to actually do the practice, but before, one more opportunity to ask general questions, and then we'll get started. You could say remembering, but the thing about past and future, it's a good question, and there's more I can say about this idea, is that you're never thinking in the past. Past thinking doesn't actually exist. There's only present thinking, right? If you're thinking, when when are you doing it? You're doing it right now. And that's the reality that's underneath this past thinking. What's actually going on when you're caught up in the past and saying, oh, in the past it was like this, what's actually happening is right now you're thinking. So just saying thinking, thinking brings you much closer to, oh yeah, here I am thinking. I'm not in the past. It's the most coarse and obvious movement of the body. And it's vayodatu. So our, our summary of the body is the four elements. Apo, vayo, dejo, patavi earth, air, water, and fire. So wayo means the air element, which means tension. So when you breathe in, the, 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 the tension you feel is this expansion. That's a, a feeling of tension. When you breathe out, there's going to be a release of tension. That's, the, that's body. So when we focus on body, we find like with the movements of the foot, there's a tension, there's a release of tension, and there's hardness when you touch the floor, and that sort of thing. There's heat and cold. What you'll find is once you relax, you no longer breathe from the chest. The chest is a sign of tension. So in the beginning, if you feel in the chest, you can note in the chest, but I recommend rather putting your hand on your stomach so that you become more accustomed to looking there. As you relax, you'll find that's where the the breath uh, naturally gravitates. In fact, for me, when I first started, it was like I could just feel it suddenly go whoop, and suddenly I was breathing here as I relax. If you feel tension in the chest and shoulders, try and note that. But that's a sign of tension if you're breathing from the chest. Okay? Anything else? It's all going to be unfamiliar. It's uh, If you've never done this before, anything... It's like if you ever took up golf. I remember trying to play golf and... Couldn't even hit the ball, right? Or tennis. I took tennis lessons once many, many years ago. 
And I just couldn't understand how you teach you how to serve the ball, but apparently you get good at it, right? With anything, as you practice, you become proficient. And you should think of it like that. Any meditation, is, anything like this is going to be like that. Where in the beginning it's awkward, you're not very good at it, that should not be discouraging. That's how beginners are with everything. And I bet teachers of tennis are very skilled and ready to give you confidence because you're going to be discouraged when you can't hit the ball. So that's um, part of my job is to keep you encouraged and remind you that it's going to be difficult in the beginning. That's fine and that's to be expected. In fact, a part of the benefit is to be challenged, to be taken out of your safe space, your comfort zone, right? And uh, to see the sorts of things that disturb you, that upset you. So you can teach yourself and, and cultivate in yourself more useful, beneficial, peaceful, and, and strong, you know, uh, powerful ways to deal with, rather than being weak and under the control of our emotions and our thoughts, and, and be dominated by them and controlled by them. So be patient and, and give it your a sincere try, and I, I sincerely believe that you'll find it uh, at least to some extent beneficial for your life. Okay? So I'll hand these out, I guess, or you can come get them maybe. Uh, Alright. And then I think best if we get rid of all these cushions, put your cushion at the head of your walking spot, walking path, and walk to it and away from it, and then when you're done, you'll be able to continue right into sitting. Don't stop the, the walking and rush back to your, your sitting mat. Walk mindfully back to it, mindfully sit down, and continue from walking right into sitting. Okay? And we'll try to eat together at 11. So calculate how much time you have and how much time you want to spend walking and sitting each time. And uh, you can do one round, two rounds, but do them together and consider that to be a round. When I do walking and sitting, I've done a round of meditation. Okay. And if you have any problems, you're, you're welcome to come and interrupt me and ask me at any time. I'm here to help. All right, so let's get started with walking whenever you're ready, as, as you like. and, and on your own schedule, so half walking, half sitting, but you time it yourself. Yeah, everybody, take your cushion with you wherever you're going to go walk, do walking. And hopefully there's enough room for everyone. 